Winter, 1944, and the skies above Oregon are filled with gently floating balloons carrying Japanese bombs. This is Kick-Ass Oregon History. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked out history folks at orhistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Just the good stuff. Today we put forward another episode in the series with one of the most hard to believe but oh so mortally real stories in Oregon history, the World War II campaign of Japanese balloon bombs. The plan was just plain crazy. The Japanese would send hydrogen-filled balloons over and across the Pacific Ocean that had bombs attached to them. That's right, balloons with bombs. The idea was that the balloons would carry the bombs to the west coast of the United States where they would cause forest fires in the Pacific Northwest and damage population and industrial centers in California. A fleet of balloons floating across the ocean. A silent armada of explosive jellyfish reaching their tentacles out to sting the innocent people of Oregon. The balloons were launched in Japan and climbed to an altitude of around 35,000 feet. Prevailing winds carried them along their path, and as happens with objects in the air, the balloons slowly descended. When they reached a height of about 25,000 feet, pop, a barometric pressure switch would cause one of the numerous sand-filled ballast bags to drop, and the balloon would slowly rise back to about 30,000 feet. This process was repeated many times over the three to five days it took for the balloon to reach the coast of North America. Once all of the ballast bags had been dropped, the balloon would descend to about 25,000 feet and a bomb would be dropped. The bombing process would then be repeated until all of the payload was deployed. When its consignment was empty, the balloon's self-destruct charge would detonate igniting the hydrogen gas in the bag and hopefully destroying all evidence of the balloon assault. Between November 1944 and April of 1945, about 9,000 balloons were launched by the Japanese, with perhaps about 1,000 making it to the shores of America. Due to the wind patterns across the Pacific, this campaign would only be effective through the winter and into spring. These balloons were big, baby, big. At a height of 70 feet, they were capable of carrying 400 pounds. Japanese high school girls helped to make some of the balloons. It was an early exercise in what today we oh so often term asymmetric warfare. Rice paper and glue were the formidable ingredients the Japanese used to fight the mighty American colonial forces. Oh, and a big fucking bomb as well. The Japanese balloons carried three different types of big fucking bombs. A 4.46 kilogram incendiary bomb, a 12 kilogram poorly designed thermite incendiary, and the Japanese Army Type 92, a 15 kilogram anti-personnel bomb. This 33 pound bomb had a lethal blast radius of 300 feet. 
The first Japanese balloon bomb was discovered by a few loggers in Kalispell, Montana on December 11, 1944. The balloon bomb had luckily buckled and landed softly without an explosion. At first, federal investigators were a bit baffled, but Japanese characters on the balloon bag detailed that the device had been built on October 31st of that year. The characters also detailed how many hours it took to make the balloon and even the number of shifts required. While Japanese balloon bombs were found all across the West, the Pacific Northwest and Oregon included were areas of high concentration of these rice paper munitions. One of the first balloon bombs discovered in Oregon was in Estacada on December 31, 1944. On January 4, 1945, two men working outside of Medford heard a loud blast, followed by a flame 30 feet high and a cloud of yellow smoke. Authorities determined that the remnants of the blast resembled the effects of an incendiary bomb and, since no planes were reported to be near the area, hypothesized that a Japanese balloon bomb had been dropped. Other blasts were reported near the Dalles, Nyssa, Enterprise, and Mount Pitt. In one of those weird historical twists, several of the balloons fell upon the Hanford Nuclear Reservation in Tri-Cities, Washington one of the key sites for plutonium production used in the atomic bomb that would be dropped on Nagasaki, Japan a few months later. Though the balloons could do no damage to stop the project, a bomb that landed in power lines coming from the Bonneville Dam did delay electricity to Hanford for more than a few hours. Though the bombs would seem to be little more than a nuisance, the United States government took them very seriously. Historian Doug Kent Crispin. An unusual occurrence happened soon after the January Medford, Oregon blast. The U.S. Censorship Office requested that all news outlets in the United States not carry stories about the Japanese balloon bombs. The fear was that if the Japanese knew that the balloons were making their way to America, that they could ramp up the campaign. Another fear was that the Japanese, which had a developmental yet robust biological warfare program, would spread anthrax and insect-borne diseases across agricultural areas of the West. Pneumonic plague being spread by balloons landing in urban areas was also a dreaded result. There is some debate as to whether these microbes could have survived the dramatic atmospheric and weather changes associated with the flight and what sort of effective dispersal methods the Japanese had developed. But nonetheless, this was a real concern of the United States defense authorities at the time. Seeing that the publication of these balloons may hurt the war effort, the press, for the most part, held the stories about the Japanese balloon bombs close to their chests until the war in the Pacific was nearly a done deal. The silence of the press in America and Canada has been attributed as the number one reason that the balloon offensive failed. Agencies of the Japanese intelligence services were monitoring American print and radio news services and heard almost nary a mention of balloons or balloon bombs. This greatly discouraged Tokyo, who felt that the balloons must have not made it to the United States. With the war against Japan increasing in intensity, valuable resources and energies that had been spent on the balloons were viewed as being superfluous, and these efforts were decided to be expended elsewhere. A very wet winter, with plenty of Oregon rain, has also been credited with the lack of bombing successes. 
Sadly, before the bombing campaign had come to an end, there were deadly consequences for a family of Oregonians. On May 5, 1945, six people were killed near Bly, Oregon. Reverend Archie Mitchell, his pregnant wife and family, were picnicking in a beautiful stand of ponderosa pine, and the theory is they found a strange-looking object and went to investigate. Most likely the balloon bomb was disturbed in the investigation, and the entire family was killed, except for the good reverend, who had gone to the car to gather their picnic lunch. In a sad, sardonic twist to our tale, one of the boys, 12-year-old Jay Gifford, had found a fallen weather balloon a few weeks earlier and had been congratulated by the Weather Bureau for returning it to the station in Klamath Falls. These were the only deaths in the continental United States from enemy fire in World War II, and a sad, real tragedy that Oregon will forever be associated with. There is a memorial at the site, constructed by the Weyerhaeuser Company, and we encourage you to visit this location when you have the opportunity. The United States Army was virtually unprepared to deal with this threat. As Japan possessed no long-range bombing capabilities, air defenses on the West Coast were not viewed as necessary and were virtually non-existent. There were no combat planes kept on ground alert, and it would take several hours to prepare such a mission if called upon. The Army began to examine meteorological data in conjunction with weather forecasts to determine if the prevailing winds provided a good opportunity for Japanese balloon bombs to make it to the United States. This was our early detection system, the Army's version of Matt Zafino. Eventually, as late in the war as April 1945, a few planes were put on alert in hopes of shooting down the balloons off the coast before they could damage any populated areas. But for the Japanese, surely this exercise was a failure. Again, historian Doug Kent Crispin. It is difficult to really place a proper context around the Japanese balloon bombs. One, they just weren't that effective. They seemed like an utter waste of resources at a time that the Imperial Army needed every store and component they could assemble. But it was an ingenious weapon. Indeed, it was the first intercontinental missile to use the term somewhat loosely, but also quite purposefully, ever devised. It showed that the Japanese had at least the capability to bring the war to the American, or even at a micro level, to the Oregon home front. And of course, there's the deep, mortal significance to be found in the legacy of the Japanese balloon bombs in Oregon history. The balloons, after the war, became something of a shaggy dog story in the press. First prize for worthless war weapons goes to Japan for her unique origination of bomb-carrying balloons to spread fire and terror across North America. We now learn from Tokyo what Japanese hoped to accomplish. It enables us to compare their efforts with actual results. The effort was tremendous. The result was almost nil. A Mongol archer with his bow and arrows would have proved as deadly. New York Times, October 4, 1945. Balloons kept turning up well after the war had ended. In the winter of 1945, Medford deer hunters Joe Renard, J.S. McDonald, and J.W. Teague saw something shiny reflecting in the sunlight on Coleman Rim and found a Japanese balloon bomb. 
Pieces of a balloon bomb were found on the bank of the Columbia River west of Klatskanai in 1968. A logger found more pieces on the Elk River in 1978. And in 1992, another was found on the shore of the Applegate Reservoir. Some experts feel that more Japanese balloon bombs are surely lying in wait, undiscovered deep in our beautiful Oregon forests. We certainly hope you will dive deep into our state's natural resources, and we certainly hope that you will keep an eye open for unexploded Japanese balloon bombs. Just don't blow them up. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts from us. We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast on the Japanese balloon bombs was brought to you by Oregon History, written by Doug Kent Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. You can check out our website at orhistory.com or follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass.
shakes it off? Well, no, unless round is funny. We'll take this to you. 